Welcome to Real Life, the program that talks about the life of real estate in the Hamptons and beyond. The people, the places, and the things that are the pulse and heartbeat of real estate with your host, broker associate of Sotheby's International Realty, John Christopher. Hi, this is John Christopher from Real Life, and today I have the chief economist for Brown Harris Stevens, Greg Heim. Hi, Greg. How are you today? Good, John. How are you doing? I'm doing great. What a year it's been, right? Or maybe a year and a half? <laughs> uh, unbelievable. Um, you're mostly focused on the Manhattan market and the boroughs. Um, do you remember how the market was just before the pandemic hit? That would have been like, what, the first quarter of 2020? Yeah, you know, it. Clearly, most areas were starting to show signs of improvement. Out east, was the activity was picking up. Um, we had a very sluggish luxury market in Manhattan. That was starting to pick up. We actually had a very good start to the year in terms of contracts. Um, you know, the stock market was going up. Uh, unemployment was low. You know, it, it was everything looked like it was finally coming together. You know, the prices were adjusted enough that people were buying. Uh, most of the markets we were in had a very good start to the year. Um, and then, you know, the world changed and hasn't changed back yet. Um, but, you know, and, and it's it's been affecting the regions we're in because, you know, we're we're in the Hamptons, obviously, and we're in New York City and we're in Connecticut and Jersey and Palm Beach and Miami. So we've seen all sides of this. Um, you know, what what happened in Manhattan where I don't even know how we closed as many uh, sales as we did when we couldn't have closings in person. Right. Uh, it was sight unseen. It was crazy. Well, you could do virtual, like you could literally FaceTime or Zoom, you know, through your listing and people could see it. I mean, people have always bought new developments off of floor plans, but um, not so much for, for resale apartments or existing homes. And it shows you that we can be a pretty nimble industry when we have to be. And obviously with, with the dense cities having the, the highest you know, number of cases and infection rates, people went to the suburbs, which did wonders for the Hamptons. You know, you guys are still having, you know, numbers you've never seen before in terms of volume and pricing. Um, and I think with the Delta variant, that momentum is going to continue. Um, our Jersey and Connecticut is, is had quarters it's never seen before. Um, and that, that was a market that had been struggling. Are a little bit. Are they uh, fleeing the city? Is that what the, is they they it? were? But the, the amazing thing is that they weren't necessarily people were fleeing the denser parts of the cities like Manhattan, but a lot of them were going to Brooklyn or or other boroughs. They found, um, you know, they always look at telephone number changes and things like that to kind of track where people are going and moves like U-Haul information, and you know certainly people that had second homes and a lot of people that live in Manhattan have homes in the Hamptons or might have a place in Connecticut or in Palm beach, obviously or Miami. Um, so there's a lot of that, but you know, we, without a big pickup in sales, initially we knew that they weren't leaving, you know, and obviously maybe they didn't want to sell at the worst of the pandemic, but what we've seen now is, uh, the, the suburban markets have stayed strong. You know, the biggest problem that most areas have, even in the United States now, is they don't have enough homes for sale. Right. And the Hamptons, I think, benefited from that initially, that there was a lot of development over the last, you know, 
five to 10 years in the Hamptons leading up to the pandemic, which led to having a sufficient apply of homes initially for people. And that happened in Connecticut, New Jersey, uh, Long Island, where you know, I live in Nassau County, Westchester saw a huge bump. But now all these places now have nothing, you know, or, or you know, seemingly really have diminished. nothing. Yeah, the supply it's, is diminished. It's diminished and, and people, you know, are being priced out in many parts of the country, which is why you may hear that, you know, new home sales and existing home sales are slowing. It does, the demand is still there. It's the supply that's not. Fortunately for us in Manhattan, we have plenty to sell and we have never seen contract sign numbers like we have seen over the past six months. Like it's record levels every week, um, levels we've never seen before. The pent-up demand was so big um, that it's it's been very hard to keep up with everything. That's and, uh, you know, yeah. Yeah. still navigating, you know, again, with the Delta variant, still having to to be aware of all these rules and, and restrictions. And obviously, uh, New York City has passed a new set of restrictions about indoor dining and activities that are going to make it very challenging. Um, and getting people back to work, too. I mean, we we in New York City rely on office workers, people that commute like myself to, for the restaurants and the retail stores and, and the arenas and the shows. And, you know, right now, less than 30 percent of Manhattan office workers are back in their office, even part time. And that's that's that presents a real challenge uh, to the city to, and those in businesses to stay afloat during that. So you, you, what you, uh, people are moving back to the city, but what's what's the driving force now, do you think? I think that, look, everybody that was living in the city or that lives in the Hamptons or wherever they live, pick that place for a reason. People that live in Manhattan will maybe want to be close to work or they want the restaurants or the, the nightlife or whatever it is, just like people that the Hamptons may want the, the beach or the, that didn't change, you know, and COVID hopefully is a temporary thing. Um, it seems it's certainly gone on longer than probably anybody thought, but once there were vaccinations and, and you know, there was a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel, which is a little murkier now, I think people realize, like, I don't want to live here. I wanted to live in Manhattan. And, like, when Sandy happened, everybody said no one's going to live near the water again, right? I'm sure you heard that a lot out there. Who's ever going to want to? Right. You know what? People want to live by the water and people want to live near where they work or they want to have mass transit. And I think that's why it's not a surprise that they're coming back. And one of the things you saw in the rest of the country was as soon as restrictions were lifted enough that people could look at homes, everything took off. Because remember, this wasn't your typical, you know, catastrophe. It wasn't your typical recession. When things opened up, people already had record stock prices back. Like, you know, people had money. This wasn't Lehman Brothers. They had money to spend. Maybe they, people joked, I don't know if everybody ever studied this. People got tired of looking at the same walls, you know, where they live when they're trapped <laughs> in your house all day. Right. So it's not a surprise. People that come to New York have a, you know, I'm sure this is true other places, have a certain attitude that they're not going to be scared, whether it's 9-11, you know, or financial catastrophes or Sandy or, or you know, a fiscal crisis in the 70s or a crime wave in the 80s. They're not going to be scared off. And as soon as they felt it was safe to come back, a lot of them did. Right. So um, are the third quarter stats out yet? No, um, I can tell you that, you know, we're still seeing incredible activity in New York City. It's still 
in most places a record for this time of year. Um, that that will will slow down, just like you know your market couldn't stay that hot forever. Neither could um, Connecticut or Westchester or Nassau, because again, eventually the prices get too high and people will wait. Right. Um, but I, I think, and you know, the thing is, this throws you off your seasonality too, because right now is typically not a busy time. You know, it's Labor Day, you know, the Jewish holidays. It's not a, a peak time of year for activity. But now people have something they haven't had in a while, which you, you guys know about out there, which is the fear of missing out, right? Mm-hmm. So they're not, they don't have time to fence it anymore. Interesting. Now, Eric Adams, the people are saying he's a shoe in for the mayor, is flying down to Florida to try to woo back uh, some of the guys who pay 50% of the taxes in the city. You think he'll have any luck? Maybe, but I don't think it's really up to him. I think if you look at why people left, like I, my, you know, I always told people that if you left because of COVID, there's a chance you'll come back, right? Because COVID will be contained, hopefully at some point. Correct. Uh, but a lot of people that have fled over the past several years have fled because of tax reasons. And obviously tax reform played a part in that because I'm paying these high state and local taxes. I can't deduct more than 10,000, I don't want to live here anymore. Uh, and so I, I think that's going to be challenging if, you know, since the Democrats are, are in control of everything right now, if they can raise the soil cap, although for a lot of people, they, they really would have to eliminate it, uh, the cap on those deductions, maybe. But I, I think another problem is the city's was has been so mismanaged the last several years uh, that it, you know, I mean, that's Eric Adams has that appeal because he's a former cop and, you know, he, he's, he has really made it a point that he's going to clean up the city. Uh, he's got to do that first, I think, to, to get a lot of people back because the spike in crime, um, you know, New York City got a lot of money, obviously, from the federal government. But it doesn't mean that their budgets are in balance for the next, you know, decade. <laughs> they, they still have fiscal issues to deal with, um, you know, and they've been. All, in particular, in Albany, has been raising taxes on the wealthy for a while now. And, you know, we're going to have a new governor, kind of have a new governor, but we're going to have a new governor um, and a new mayor. I don't think that that attitude is going to change mm. that of taxing the wealthy. So I, I think he's got his work cut out for him. Uh, but, you know, hopefully he'll, he'll have some success. So a lot of those New Yorkers that are down in Florida are going to probably stay there is what you're saying. Well, if you leave for tax reasons, that usually, even if you get the salt deductions back or some or a high level back, um, you're still paying. You know, the, the 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 rates that they're potentially talking about eventually to pay for um, a lot of the stimulus payment at the federal level also comes into it too. If my federal taxes are going to go up, then I'm going to move to a no tax state or or an incredibly low tax state. So it's not only. I mean, Eric Adams can't control New York state taxes or, or federal taxes. Um, and, you know, even on, on the city level, most taxes, they have to get the state to sign on because it, it comes from New York state law. So he can make promises to do this stuff, but he needs the cooperation of a lot of people. And that's always challenging. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, pal, you know him, right? The chair of the Fed. Uh, he's an interesting guy. Uh, he sees. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, if you read my blog, I refer to oh, it. Oh, you have a blog. I didn't know that. Yes. yes. Uh, the line, uh, you can sign up on uh, on Brownhair Stevens' website, uh, bhsusa.com. I keep making Alfred E. Newman references, although one of the owners of one of the Manhattan companies replied back, does anybody under 40 know who Alfred E. Newman is? Right, so my, right. my reply back was, does anybody under 40 read this? Um, he said, but anyway, I'm sorry, I interrupted your question. No, 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 no. <laughs> Well, he's he's saying that the inflation is as he sees it as uh, being temporary. What do you think? I think he's incredibly wrong, and and I'll tell you why. Uh, you know, the great uh, economist Milton Friedman, you know, always tried to to simplify things. And inflation is a monetary phenomenon, so it's too much money chasing too few goods, right? right. So let's look at the too few goods side. We know there are supply chain issues, like try getting microchips, you know, PlayStation fives came out in November and I still can't get one. Like that's, that's a supply or lumber was in short spot. That's going to, that's going to go away at some point. There will be enough of everything, but let's look at the money supply, the money supply. Uh, if we look at M2, which is basically what's in your savings and checking accounts and short term CDs and some other things, the money you can spend right now, that since COVID is up over 30%. Wow. So there's 30% more money, you know, so even if it was chasing the same amount of goods, now it's fewer goods, but even if it's chasing the same I'm, amount I'm, of goods. I, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I'm going to say that uh, when his, his term comes around, that they should be uh, looking for somebody like you. Well, I, I, I would, my uh, testimony in front of, you know, Congress would be hysterical to watch. I bet. I, I tell you how, that. How, how could somebody? Uh, do you have? Uh, they had some questions, you know, that to, to you. Is there some way that you can reach out to you? Yeah, um, you know, you can find my information on the Brown Arsenal's website, or you can email uh, G Heim H U Y M at bhsusa.com. If you want to sign up for the blog, uh, you can find that on the Brown Harris Stevens website. It's called the Line, where we talk about inflation a lot and employment, interest rates, and, and obviously a lot of real estate. Uh, so um, if I don't get appointed chairman of the Federal Reserve, um, I'll, I'll keep writing it. <laughs> okay. Sounds great, Greg. Thank you so much for being on the program. This is John Christopher for Real Life and on the only NPR station on Long Island, WLIW 88.3 FM. Stay tuned because we'll be right back after this short break with my next guest. Welcome back to Real Life, and this is your host, John Christopher, and today I have with me a top producer of the North Fork, Mary Terry. Hi, Mary. How are you? Good. How are you, John? Good. I'm great now that I have you on the program. You know, before we talk about uh, real estate in the North Fork, let's talk about you. You're a native to this neck of the woods. In fact, your family, I believe, has some history here. Is that correct? We do. We do. We're one of seven founding families on both the South Fork and the North Fork. You're but, kidding. Um, I, but I was raised on the South Fork. That is interesting. See, I, I know the Halseys are out here, the Corwiths, but I, I'm not familiar with the Terrys. Yeah, yep, the Terrys as well. And actually on the North Fork, the story is two brothers came over. One settled on the North Fork and one on the South Fork. But on the North Fork, I've discovered there's a whole cemetery for just Terrys. Wow, where's the farm? Where's it's that? an Orient, huh? Why so far out? Did they have? Were they working out that that far out? You know, because it's like the the end of uh, North Fork. 
Yeah, well, there's the big Terry farm out there. And uh, actually, I just finished a book on Long Island um, uh, migrant workers and migrant camps. And I watched a whole documentary on it. And I was afraid to look up Terry. But yes, Terry's had one of those as well back oh, in the day. That is interesting. That is fascinating. Now, have you ever, were they farmers? Were they dealing, uh, tilling of the land? Yes, they were farmers and fishermen. Hmm. Interesting. Now, are you a good fisherman? Um, I'm a media. I'm a good chef of fish and seafood. Let's put it that way. I'm not as good at catching it. Did you have a restaurant? Somebody told me that once before. Did you have a restaurant? No, my sister has a restaurant. She has a great restaurant in Bayshore called the Lake House. No, but I did a lot of catering and I wanted to open a cafe, but I never did. Maybe in my retirement. Right. <laughs> well, you yeah. got some ways to go yet there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so what, what exactly were you doing before real estate? You were just doing what you just said, catering? I was catering. I ran the food program for the College of Sustainability. I was the head of that at uh, Stony Brook, Southampton. And I actually got into real estate when they shut that campus down. Uh, everybody had the option, most people, of going up to main campus. And that was not the kind of... Um, that's not the kind of food that I did. I, you know, I didn't, I don't do processed food, but it, but I, yeah, I ran the program there. And when they shut that campus down, that's when I just, you know, pivoted into real estate. Wow. Now you were uh, a realtor or an agent on, um, or broker, I should say on the South Fork. And now you're uh, mainly in the North Fork. Uh, how did you make that transition? Well, three years ago, I moved to the North Fork. I still work on the South Fork, but I live on the North Fork. So it just was a natural progression. Um, growing up, I mean, I heard my whole life, oh, the North Fork is going to become the new South Fork, blah, blah, blah. I heard that for 25 years. Five years ago, it really happened. Greenport it, is the new Sag Harbor. Is that right? You know, it's interesting because uh, it's got to be over 20 years ago when I first came out here. And I was dealing with... Uh, this uh, agent from Greenport who later became the mayor of Greenport. I don't know. If oh, you know he's wonderful. He's yeah. still, he's still in real estate. Is he really? Yes. 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 He just showed one of my properties in uh, East Marion. Wow. And, that uh, is, yeah. Yeah, you know, and you know what he said to me, this is going back then. I said, do you think the North Fork will ever become like the South Fork? And he said, probably in five years. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's funny. So you think now that the North Fork, just because Greenport is such a burgeoning community? It's not just Greenport. It's all of North Fork. John, if you take the North Road, when I was growing up, it was all dilapidated farm, potato farms and, and, and farmhouses. You feel like you're in Italy. You drive that North Highway, you might as well be in Italy. It is stunning with the vineyards and the breweries and the craft chocolate and craft this and craft that, craft donuts. I mean, <laughs> they have such artisans. And I've noticed, you know, there have been studies done, and it's a different buyer, the South Fork buyer and the North Fork buyer. Um, the North How Fork so? buyer. How so? The North Fork buyer is looking for community. That's what they're looking for. They don't need, you know, the... The glitz? They don't need that. They don't want it. They're not entertaining clients. They don't need the showcase house on the water, on the ocean. They're not, um, well, they're not going to get the ocean on the North Fork, but they don't, they're not looking for that. They're looking for community. They want to be able to 
meet their friends and take their children and go to the farm stands and go out to the craft breweries. I mean, you go there, they have their pets, they have their children, they have bands all over. And it's just a very different buyer. I just got uh, two buyers from East Hampton and only because they couldn't find what they wanted in East Hampton, but they, they're looking one has to be very close to a marina and there are a lot of affordable marinas compared to East Hampton. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's just a different buyer. Well, it's also so. probably a different lifestyle too, right? I mean, like you say, because uh, I remember when I lived in Shelter Island before moving to the South Fork, um, we had a lot of friends on the North Fork. And it, it was uh, my daughter made, you know, a lot of good friends, you know, when she was young, you know. And, mm-hmm. um, it just uh, something about the, and I remember asking a couple that lived in Greenport, they had a, a beautiful house. Um, why Greenport? And they said, because we didn't want to go to the South Fork. You know, it just, we mm-hmm. wanted to bring our kids up in a, in a community. And that's, I think it's a very attractive uh, element to the North Fork. Yeah, it's a, it's it's definitely a different buyer. Uh, it's refreshing, yeah. you know. Think, yeah. yeah, you know. Now that we've uh, wrapped up the summer season, did you notice any difference in the rental market this year as compared to last? Yes, actually, I'm glad you brought that up. The rental market was very off this year. You know, last year it was off also off. in the other direction, yeah, other direction, was, like craziness. It was absolute insanity. I don't know if that's because everybody bought and there weren't as many tenants looking. I do. One thing I did notice another difference between the South Fork and the North Fork, because I recently sold a property of my own on the South Fork and I invested in two properties on the North Fork for the same amount of money. And they're going to be investment properties. They're going to be rental properties. And someone asked me why I would do that. And the North Fork has a much, much longer rental season. Much longer. It, it goes right past Thanksgiving. What? So in other words, somebody comes out, and they, uh, I want to rent from Memorial Day to Thanksgiving? Yes. Yep. They want to go right through the pumpkin and then the harvest for Thanksgiving and the fruits and the farm stands. It, it, it used to be, not so much anymore, but it used to be on the South Fork, they rolled up the sidewalks right after Labor Day. Um now I see that our season goes a little bit longer over there, but nowhere near the North Fork. The, 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 our traffic jams now for pumpkins are, are Crazy. insanity. Yes. Right. I can imagine. Yeah, it's like the same here on the South Fork, uh, trying to get mm-hmm. on 27 where that uh, farm's uh, pumpkin Hanks. farm is. Yeah, right. Thanks. Hanks. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Just avoid it, you know, unless you're going there. <laughs> It's funny. I had my granddaughter over yesterday and she's noticing that everybody has their pumpkins. She's going to be three. And she, uh, she wanted to go pumpkin picking. And I ran to the store and bought three pumpkins and dumped them, <laughs> dumped them in the yard and said, okay, go ahead. <laughs> I didn't want to stand in line. <laughs> That's very smart. I said, have fun. You see what you learn? <laughs> yes. Good, good advice. Up. Yeah, growing up. Good advice. Growing up out here on the South Fork, I would do all my grocery shopping, get my gas. Everything was done on a Wednesday. Right, right. That's funny. Um, did you do any sight unseen rentals, by the way? You know, when we were in the, the, the period of craziness? I did, but I did, I did three FaceTime sales. They never saw the house until closing. <laughs> 
and there was no no issues. You had they came in, they were they loved the house, and that was no it. issues. I never heard a word. They were just so grateful to to get something and get in there. Wow. I was... mean, one of them, one of them, it, this one was in Hampton Bay, happened to be on the South Fork. One of them sent their mother for the walkthrough, the final walkthrough. But oh. contracts were signed; it was all done. Wow, that is that's fascinating. Um, is inventory low on the North Fork like it's uh, over here on the South Fork? It, it's it's not as low as the South Fork, but things are definitely slowing down, and I think that's due to the lack of inventory. It has to be. Hmm. Yeah. What about pricing? I mean, uh, have uh, prices spiked? Yes, they have definitely spiked, but they're still they can't they don't compare to the South Fork. But yes, yeah, wow. they've gone way way up. Now. Who would you, like you said, you think it's more families are coming out to uh, the North Fork. Um, what do you, what, what's your thoughts about sales going into, uh, into the fall? Well, as you know, the fall has always been our second strongest selling season. And, uh, you, you know, my advice is if anybody has a property that they want to sell, now is the time. The inventory is so low. I mean, I really think it's the time. It's the reason why I sold, you know, right. I, I think it's the time if you're not using it and you want to cash out, I don't th- think this market can stay this high that much longer. Right. Yeah. Only time will tell, you know, it's, yes. uh, um, what do you, what kind of advice do you give uh, or offer to uh, first time home buyers coming into the market, especially in this market? If you want something, move very quickly, have your proof of funds ready, have your pre-approval ready, and be ready to make an offer at ask or above ask the day you see it. Wow. The day you see it. The day you view it, if you have any interest at all. Don't wait a week. Don't let's say, let's think about it. Let's don't wait ahead. two days. Don't, <laughs> don't wait two days. If you want it, you have any interest at all. I just had this actually with with a relative of mine I was helping. And, you know, make it yours after. If there's one little thing you don't like, that can be changed. The inventory is not there right now. So if you like it, make it what you want afterwards. You have to move quickly. And she finally did. So she's in contract now. Wow. And she's happy? She is happy. I mean, it's she was, you know... She was analyzing everything too much, and you can't do that in this market. Yeah. You know, you what can't have analysis paralysis. You have to jump no. on things. I like that. I like that. Analysis paralysis. Um, we got 30 seconds. What kind of advice would you say to sellers that are thinking about putting in their house, especially when it comes to putting it on the market, especially pricing-wise? Well, look at the comps. I mean, I wouldn't. What they're doing now, actually, and it was just featured in the New York Times, is people are underpricing and there's bidding wars everywhere. Right. If it were me, that's what I would do. I would price it reasonably, have, get it done fast and furious. I don't determine the selling price. You don't determine the selling price. The, the market, market will determine that. Exactly. So, how, can somebody so, get, how can somebody get in touch with you, Mary? Uh, they can text or call me, 631-413-7800. Any, uh, I have, go ahead. I have a couple of different emails. Please. So, so I'll give you my North Fork one. Mary at Terry Twin Forks Realty dot com. Fantastic. 
Mary Terry, it's been a delight having you on the program. This is John Christopher for Real Life Broadcasting here in the vibrant village of Southampton, New York, on the only NPR station on Long Island, WLIW 88.3 FM. If you'd like to hear this program again or any other podcast, go to WLIW.org slash radio. Thank you for listening. And in the meantime, be sure to have an awesome journey. You have been listening to Real Life, the program that talks about the people, the places, and the things that are the pulse and heartbeat of real estate in the Hamptons and beyond with host John Christopher, who also created the music for Real Life. WLIWFM's Delaney Hafner and Kyle Lynch provide production support. Thank you for joining us for Real Life right here on listener-supported 88.3 WLIWFM. Long Island's only NPR station, which you can also find on your favorite streaming apps and at wliw.org radio.